Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Erica Pandy. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Friday, November 19th, and we're focused on business travel's big problems. The decline of business travel is the biggest pandemic shift that no one's talking about. The global business travel industry was worth about $1.5 trillion before the pandemic, and it was projected to keep growing from there. Now, with more and more remote work, that's looking pretty unlikely. The latest polling from Morning Consult found that 39% of people who traveled for business pre-pandemic don't think they'll ever take a business trip again. But if they don't, that's a really big deal. Billions of dollars and thousands of jobs could be on the line. In a moment, I'll be joined by travel and hospitality analyst at Morning Consult, Lindsay Roschke. She's here to dig into that data and tell us what it says about whether the airline industry will ever be the same. We're joined now by Lindsay Roschke, who's a travel and hospitality analyst at Morning Consult. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Erica. So the pandemic predictably slammed business travel. I mean, if people weren't even commuting across town for work, they certainly weren't going to go on a cross-country or international business trip. But the airlines and the hotels and the car rental companies were all holding on to hope that, like most other things, business travel would go back to its pre-pandemic normal. But you've got some fresh polling data that shows that the pandemic might have been the death knell for business travel. Could you share what you found? Yes. So uh, what we found is that when we asked people who had been traveling frequently for business before the pandemic, so anybody who had traveled three or more times a year in a typical year pre-pandemic, when they expected to take their next business trip, 39% told us that they never expected to travel for business again. And that number was pretty eye-popping, I think, to all of us when it came back. So you found this as surprising as I did, right? I mean, this seems like one of the most dramatic COVID impacts on the economy. The business travel industry is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, projections have been pretty wide ranging and and there have been some that have predicted that business travel will come roaring back in 2022. Some have said it'll take a couple of years, but it will get back to pre-pandemic levels. I can't say I really ever saw that happening, but the 39% still, you know, really surprised me. Do you think this could change over the next five years? I'm thinking back, there was a time when people were terrified to travel for fun, too, but that's coming back. Could the same happen for business travel? Yeah, I mean, certainly there could be some change in the future, but I think there are a couple of things we need to take into account here. Business traveler comfort is really only one part of the equation. In fact, you know, we tend to see in our data that business travelers are actually more comfortable than non-business travelers with the idea of getting back on the road. They tend to just express kind of higher levels of comfort based on the fact that they're more familiar with the experience and they've traveled a lot in the past. But I think we also have to take into account that there there's been a shift in the 
corporate approach to business travel that's keeping people home. So it's not just whether or not those travelers want to get back on the road again. It's what those company policies are. And I think after, you know, a year and a half plus of companies, you know, seeing the budget they've been able to save by uh, not having people travel for business and also embracing technology that's allowing people to connect virtually. You know, I think even if we do see a slightly higher number come back than what we're seeing in our data right now, it's still not going to go to 100% of pre-pandemic levels. And those who do come back, I think we'll see a kind of major shift in their behavior, the types of meetings that they're actually traveling for, how often they're doing it, and how much they're even allowed to spend when they're on the road. I feel like the average consumer doesn't get the extent to which business travel matters for all of us. Why should the average person care about this decline? Well, business travel tends to make up a a really big portion of profits for the travel industry, or at least it did in pre-pandemic times. When it comes to airlines specifically, prior to the pandemic, business travelers made up about 12% of airline passengers, but they accounted for up to 75% of revenue. So this is a big challenge, right? If business travelers don't come back, it could have an impact on prices for everyone because those airlines and hotels that are losing some of that higher revenue from business travelers might need to turn to other ways like raising prices for other passengers in order to kind of make up those losses. So it definitely is going to impact anybody who is planning on engaging in the travel industry in any way, shape or form in the future. And yeah, what about that 88 percent, those leisure travelers? Is that coming back? Are they planning on engaging in travel anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, most leisure travelers, uh, we kind of looked at the data from the same angle in terms of level of frequency. So we looked at people who traveled three times a year or more for leisure before the pandemic, and only 7% of those travelers said that they would never go on a leisure trip again. So we'll definitely see a little bit more of a bounce back in the leisure sector. This isn't necessarily the death knell for the industry in general. I think it just means that we really need to kind of rethink what business travel means. And travel brands are going to have to adapt to what business travel looks like in the new normal, rather than just kind of crossing their fingers and and waiting for business travelers to come back at a level that they were, you know, in 2019 and before. What, What does that adjusting look like? There are a few different things. I think one of the major implications that I've been thinking about a lot are loyalty programs. So business travelers are more likely than the average leisure traveler to be members of a loyalty program. And so I think, you know, brands need to think about how they can reward business travelers in a way that does not hinge completely on frequency of travel or spend. There are some brands that are already starting to do this, whether they have, you know, extended status to account for the the pandemic-induced travel downturn, but also some that are thinking further ahead, allowing travelers to earn points in different ways that aren't necessarily tied to their travel experience. So whether that's co-branded credit cards or or partnerships. So that's definitely going to be a big piece of the puzzle. I think the other thing is just really thinking about what business travel looks like from an execution perspective in the future. Why are people traveling for business? What are the things that corporations are still kind of sending people out for. My prediction would be that it would be more external meetings than internal meetings. Maybe that folks are combining a few different occasions into one trip so they can minimize the number of flights they're taking or drives they're making or hotel stays. And so I think brands are going to have to think about that new mindset and meet people where they are because that's very different from what it used to be before the pandemic. 
So at the same time that we're seeing fewer business trips, airlines are also having trouble finding pilots, and and some carriers have started cutting routes because they can't find someone to fly the plane. So between less demand from business travelers and this labor shortage that we're seeing, could the airline industry just end up shrinking in a more permanent way? I mean, it's possible. You know, the, it's a couple of the major predictions going forward for the industry in general are certainly staffing shortages are going to have an impact on the industry as a whole, um, as well as sustainability concerns. And I think that plays a part in what happens with the airline industry going forward as well. The travel industry is something that contributes to climate change and with recent interest in how travel is impacting the planet and some promises and pledges that have been made out of COP26. That's something that the industry is going to have to reckon with as well. So I don't know if the industry shrinks in general, but I think there will be maybe a a shift or a change from what it used to look like uh, to account for these changes in the long term. And you touched on this a little bit already, but what does this mean for consumers? Is it fewer options? Is it more expensive tickets? That does remain to be seen. I think it depends on how well the industry is able to adapt to what business travel looks like in the future. I, I do think we'll probably see a slight increase in in fares, and that's something that we have, you know, already seen a little bit throughout this year. And so that's something that you know the average traveler might have to absorb. At this point in time, we see that many travelers do have some um, disposable income to spend on travel, so they are accepting it a little bit more readily at this point because they're. There is some kind of pent up demand among people who haven't been able to travel um, either at all or as frequently as they used to since the beginning of the pandemic. And so what people may be more likely to accept right now may turn into more long term concerns for the industry in, in terms of prices. At the moment, it's impacting the everyday traveler. Lindsay Roschke is a travel and hospitality analyst at Morning Consult. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Erica. Welcome back. We have an update on a major news story this afternoon. A jury has found Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all counts. Rittenhouse was on trial for killing two people and injuring another at racial justice protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin in 2020. He was 17 years old at the time. During one protest following the police shooting of Jacob Blake, Rittenhouse showed up with a semi-automatic rifle. He claimed he showed up armed to protect property and provide medical treatment. Then as chaos broke out of the protest, he started firing. He has since said that he acted in self-defense. My colleagues Russell Contreras and Margaret Talov are reporting on this story. And they've talked with activists and law enforcement officials who are warning that the Rittenhouse trial and a separate ongoing murder trial in Georgia over the killing of Ahmaud Arbery could lead to more racial justice protests around the country. Our team is hearing that already two major criticisms of this verdict are taking shape. Rittenhouse, who's white, was acquitted by an overwhelmingly white jury, which reflects the demographics of Kenosha. Black Lives Matter activists are responding to the verdict and the optics of the trial, and they're raising questions about whether a black man in Rittenhouse's same situation might have been found guilty. Separately, the father of one of the shooting victims came out with a statement which captures the concerns of many about the sort of precedent a verdict like this might set. It reads, in part, quote, It sends the unacceptable message that armed civilians can show up in any town, incite violence, and then use the danger they've created to justify shooting people, end quote. We'll be tracking this story and updating our coverage through the weekend on Axios.com. That's all for today. 
I'm Erica Pandy. Thanks for listening, and we're back Monday with another Axios Recap.